Well, hey everyone, welcome to Slate Church Online. We're so glad that you're joining us here today. My name is Luke Betker. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Slate Church. I get to pastor with my amazing wife, Victoria, and we pastor together with Brandon and Emma Richardson. And on behalf of all of us as lead pastors, we just wanna say thank you for joining us, and we're so excited for what God is going to do today. Just before we jump into everything, I just wanna say, if you're new, if you're wondering how you can get involved, if you wanna know some more info, we have got something called a Connect Card. And this Connect Card, the link is popping up in the chat right now, or you can find it in the description down below if you're watching On Demand. We would love for you to fill out that Connect Card. and We'd love to get in touch with you. We'd love to connect with you. So you can go ahead and do that now. Also, we're online right now, but it's not too late to invite somebody out to church today. There's an invite button that's coming up in the chat. Why not go ahead, click that button, invite somebody that you know needs to be in church today. We're excited for what God's gonna do. It's not too late to invite somebody out to church. So why don't you go ahead and do that, invite someone today. But now it's time for worship. We're really excited that we get to worship God together as a church, even digitally like this. So hey, let's lean in. Let's be ready for what God wants to do as we worship Him today.
I've searched the world But it couldn't fill me Man's empty praise And treasures the fate Are never enough Then you came along Pull me back together and every desire is now satisfied Here in your love, oh you say Oh there's nothing better than you There's nothing better than you There's nothing, nothing is better than you I'm not afraid To show you my weakness My failures and flaws Lord, you've seen it all And you still call me friend Cause the God of the mountain Is the God of the valley there's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again Oh, there's nothing better than you There's nothing better than you There's nothing, nothing There's nothing, nothing is better than you We sing You turn morning to dancing You give beauty for ashes You turn shame into glory you're the only one who can You turn morning to dancing You give beauty for ashes You turn shame into glory You're the only one who can You turn graves into gardens you turn bones into armies You turn seas into highways You're the only one who can The only one who can You're the only one who can Oh, there's nothing Better than you, oh, there's nothing, nothing is better than you.
Thank you so much, worship team. We love you guys, and that was incredible. We just want to thank you for leading us in worship today. Well, hey, every single week at Slate Church, we take some time, and we actually pray over prayer requests that have come in this past week. And we're going to do that right now. We're going to believe that God is going to move in these situations today. So here are some of the requests that have come in. This is what we are praying for. We're praying for somebody's grandmother that she would be able to experience God's presence. We're praying for somebody's friend who just lost their mother, that God would comfort their family in this time. We're praying for peace for someone during this season, that they would feel God's presence more than ever. Praying for strength and guidance for somebody else. Praying that somebody would be able to get a job. Praying for someone else as a new school semester is about to begin. That God would give them wisdom and understanding in how to navigate this time. Praying for somebody else, uh, their older sister, uh, as she enters her final year of university, that she would go through it with strength. And we're praying for somebody else that, um, uh, that God would have give them guidance as they go through this next season in life. There's a lot of prayer requests for this next season that is ahead. And we're just gonna believe right now for every single one of these prayer requests that have come in. This is a small portion of the many requests that we get every single week. But we're gonna believe right now that God's gonna move in each and every situation. And maybe you've got a need in your own life. We really believe today that God wants to and can move in your situation today as well. So hey, if you feel comfortable, why don't you just stretch out a hand right now towards the screen wherever you're watching this, and we're gonna believe for God to move in all of these situations. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you're good. We thank you, Jesus, that you've got great things in store for the future in this next season. 
Lord, I just pray over every single need, every single request, whatever it might be, Jesus, that you would fill that situation with your presence. Father, we pray for direction and we pray for strength and we pray for provision and we pray for all of these things in your mighty name, Lord, that you may be glorified, that you may be praised as you uh, are with us. We thank you so much for your faithfulness to us in every season. In your mighty name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. Praise God. Well, hey, we also take time as a church to praise God. You know, we have the prayer requests, and these are the things that we believe in faith God will do. But we've also got the praise reports. You know, these are the things that we thank God for because He did do. And it's so easy sometimes to let a prayer request uh, not make its way to becoming a praise report or when God moves, we just forget to thank him. But we're not gonna do that as a church. And we wanna make sure that we praise God for all he's done, for all he continues to do in our lives. So check this out. Praise reports coming in this week. Someone is thankful for God's protection and health in their family. Someone else is thankful for new opportunities and experiences. Somebody else, this is awesome. They're thankful for the growth that they've experienced in this past season. Someone else is thankful for amazing nursing co-workers that have had their back during tough situations. Someone else is thankful for the opportunity to meet with the Waterloo PM team members at Waterloo Park. Come on, that is so, so awesome. And someone else is thankful for Slate Church in this season and they're excited for all that is ahead. Hey. We are too. We're excited as well. But it's so awesome to see all that God is doing in our church. Well, right now, why don't you take a quick second and and uh, we, we always have this thing, we, kind of, we call it family time, right? And why don't you take a minute and if you're with some other people, turn around, say hi to them. Uh, if you're, you know, close with them, a family member with them, give them a hug, let, let them know that you love them. If you're not with anybody, send somebody a text message. Put it in the chat right now. Say hi to some people, call some people out, let them know that you see them, that you're glad to be at church with them today. Well, hey church, we're gonna continue in our worship right now as we gather around our giving. And to encourage us in our generosity and our giving, I wanna welcome Pastor Brandon. One of the stories that I love within scriptures comes out of Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, all the way to verse 21. And the story is a story of Jesus. And he's, out, he's been teaching a, a big crowd for quite some time. And the crowd is, uh, it's getting late in the day and the crowd is getting hungry. And so Jesus looks at his disciples, 12 people, and he says, you need to feed these people, 15,000 people. And they go, where are we gonna find all this stuff? And it says, when they looked around for food, it actually says uh, in verse 17, they said, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. And what we know from the same story that's recorded in other gospels is that this was just a little boy who had actually offered his lunch up uh, to be used for all these people. It's then that Jesus takes what he has, uh, what he's been given, and he, he prays it over it, he blesses it, he breaks it apart, and he spreads it out to all the people that had, uh, that had gathered, and all the people eat, and the disciples collect 12 basketfuls. I love this story because it talks about um, so many different aspects of our faith, and one of these aspects is our ability to give back to God. 
You see, there was a miracle to be had and there's people to be fed and there was limited resources, but when limited resources were placed in the hands of Jesus, all of a sudden they multiplied. I love that it was a little boy that gave his lunch to Jesus because it shows the childlike, Christ-like faith that we need to have in order to see what's been placed into our hands actually multiplied. It would be ridiculous to think that over the, uh, the 15,000 people that scholars believe that were there that day, that only one person uh, remembered to bring lunch or dinner that day. It, it would be crazy to think that only one boy out of the entire crowd brought their lunch that day. But it's amazing because this one boy that was willing to release his lunch while everybody else was willing to hang on to theirs, it was he that got to be a part of a miracle that was recorded in scriptures and actually um, was able to feed as many people as they did. Listen, there's probably a few other people that uh, remembered to bring an extra lunch or whatever else that day, but it was just the one that was willing to release what they had been given that actually got to be a part of the miracle that took place. There's a few things that we need to understand, church, that no matter what season we find ourselves in, the harvest is always plentiful. Jesus makes that clear. And while the har harvest is plentiful and Jesus says the workers are, flu are, are, are few, um, sometimes we actually also need to realize that the harvest is plentiful and yet the resources are few. You see, once we release resource into God's hand, he can multiply it to reach all the people that he wants to reach. I believe that um, if we have childlike faith and release our resources to God, that he will multiply it. I also believe that we don't need to have a lot in order to actually be used by God. See, I wonder what it would look like for us today to make a commitment, as so many of us have, to release resource, release finances into God's hand so he can multiply it in reaching all the different people that God wants to reach through Slate Church. We're so thankful, church, for your generosity during this season. We ask that you continue to give back to God, which is his. And if you haven't done so yet, I just ask that you pray. Ask God what he would have you to give. Ask him what he would have you to start to give in this season. Because I really believe with childlike faith, the little that we put into God's hand can actually become a lot in reaching the people that Jesus wants to reach. Let's pray over everybody that's giving today. And if you are giving today or this week, why don't you just hold that in your heart? I wanna pray for you. Jesus, thank you so much for everybody that understands this principle of giving back to you. God, it's not even really a question within scripture whether or not we should give to you. It's, it's really a question of how much. And so God, today as we bring our how much to you, God, I pray you'd speak to our hearts and speak to our minds and allow us to release into you like this little boy with childlike faith, believing God that you're gonna reach multitudes through the little we put in your hand. Maybe it's a lot, but maybe it's a little. And we just pray that it would be released into your hands and you'd be able to use it to reach everyone you want to reach. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
hey, we're entering a really great season as a church right now, an exciting season. And in fact, coming up on September 20th, we are having our fall kickoff as a church. You know, we're still doing a great fall kickoff this year. We've done it every single year. September 20th, that Sunday, we are having our fall kickoff. We're gonna be celebrating our third birthday as a church, which is pretty amazing to just to think, and we're gonna reflect on what God has done in these past three years. But also, along with our fall kickoff, we are going to be starting in-person Sunday morning gatherings. And we're really excited for this. We're gonna be starting Sunday morning services in person. It's gonna be socially distanced. It's gonna be safe. There's gonna be registrations. It's gonna be a little bit like our worship nights were this past week. And we can't wait to be getting in person for church again. Um, also, we're gonna be continuing online. So we're not just gonna be like, if you can't make it or you don't feel comfortable making it to an in-person gathering that you can't be a part of what, what we're doing here at Slate Church, we're gonna be continuing with online church as well. We're gonna be doing both, but we're excited for what this is going to mean for us as a church. And so make sure that you stay tuned to our social media and to our website for more information regarding what it means for us to be meeting in person again, how you'll register. All of the information that you need is going to be coming out. But listen, we're so excited to be launching strong into the fall on September 20th. We can't wait for this fall kickoff. We can't wait for our third birthday party. We really believe it's gonna be amazing. And also, not only that, but we've been working on some really, really cool stuff behind the scenes. And we can't tell you too much about it just yet, but we wanna put a sneak peek out because we've really, as lead pastors behind the scenes, been working and conceptualizing a really innovative, new church experience. And we're working hard on that. We really believe it's gonna reach many, many people with the good news of Jesus. And we can't wait to tell you more about what that's gonna be. Again, it's gonna be coming out on social media, so stay tuned for that. But we're so excited, honestly. We can't wait for all that God has in store for our church in this next season. So put that on your calendar. September 20th, circle it in red marker, highlight it, do whatever you need to do. This is gonna be a Sunday that you do not want to miss. But up until that point, we've got great Sunday services happening. We've got great things happening midweek. Again, tune into social media, go on our website to see all the great things that are happening because we don't want you to miss out on anything that God is doing in our church. Are you ready for the word? I'm excited to hear this message. I really believe that this is gonna be a word in season for our church as we continue our Home Blind series today. So I can't wait to, to hear this message. And I really believe that God has a word for you today. That this isn't just some random accident that you're just watching this, but I believe that God wants to speak to you today. Listen, lean in. Get ready for what he wants to say. Be willing to hear what he has for you today because I believe that he's got a word. And so why don't we welcome Pastor Emma as she preaches and brings God's word to us today. Hey church, I am excited to be coming at you in the midst of our Home Blind series and we have just had an awesome time with this series and I'm excited to talk to you more about it 
today. So wherever you are listening from, wherever you are tuning in, whenever you are tuning in, why don't you lean in right now? Why don't you pull out a notebook, pull out your Bible, um, open up notes on your phone, just to be able to write some of these things down because I really believe you're going to want to take what God has shown me today into the week ahead of you. So. If you have your Bible, why don't you open it up to Mark chapter 8. We're going to be reading a few verses here and then flipping over to 1 Peter. So Mark chapter 8 in verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him. This is Jesus. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. You see, Jesus has just fed thousands of people and has been preaching and has been teaching. He's had this interaction with Peter talking about him being the Messiah, him being uh, the Son of God. And then he brings everybody in and brings everybody together and says, listen, if you want to be my disciple, you need to pick up your cross and follow me. Verse 35, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus is teaching and he is musing and he is asking these questions to these followers, to his closest followers, to the crowds that are following him. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, but forfeit their soul? 1 Peter 2.11, Peter writes, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. You see, in this Homeblind series, we can become homeblind to so many things in our lives. This idea that we get so used to, so uh, uh, unaware of what is happening in our lives. We need to dig in and grow our awareness, grow our perspective so that we can actually um, do the things that God has called us to do and be the person that God has called us to be. But you see, I think we have talked about a lot of different things in this Homeblind series. We have talked about um, evangelism. We have talked about community. We've talked about opportunity for impact. We've talked about loving and respecting the house of God. We have talked about so many things. But I think that there are certain things in our lives that are really root things, root issues, things that, um, that really go down deep and affect the growth and affect the output of our lives. And today I am talking about something that I would say is a root issue in our lives. This is is something that affects basically every single part of our lives here today and in the future. And I'm talking about our souls and how we can become home blind to our souls. And if you're taking notes this morning or this afternoon, maybe you're watching this on demand, I want you to write down this title, The War for Your Soul. The War for Your Soul. Let's pray, church. Jesus, I thank you so much that we get to gather together across the city, across the province, the country, the world, wherever we are tuning in from, Lord. And I pray that this message would transcend screens and and distance, God, and it it would just affect how we behave, who we are. And Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us today in a mighty way. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you love us. In your name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, 
Right now we're in a season of, of juggling different childcare and uh, so that I can work and be present and do all of these things. And I think that this is actually just a season called parenthood um, in our house of constantly rejuggling schedules and figuring that out. But on Thursday afternoons right now, we have the incredible Julie Campbell, the newly named Julie Campbell, previously Julie Gosen. Uh, uh, congratulations, Julie, on your marriage, you and Jeff. But Julie Campbell comes over and she watches our kids on Thursday afternoons and they love her. She builds forts, she does all of these great things. It's wonderful. They have such a good time. And uh, I'm trying to teach them that her name is no longer Julie Gosen. But, but listen, a couple weeks ago, I received a text message on the Thursday afternoon when Julie was there. And sometimes it's okay to get a text message from a childcare provider. They're like, look at this cute thing your child did. And then other times there is a problem and you're like, shoot, okay, what is happening? And this text message in particular was accompanied by a video. And the video I opened up first, and it was a video of Julie standing at our back sliding screen door, zooming in on a poor, dead bird that was lying on our deck. I'm not sure what happened. I have a feeling the bird just smashed into our kitchen window and like fell onto the deck. And there it was just lying there. It was this sad moment of her zooming in. And the text basically said, uh, we have a bit of a situation here. I'm gonna take care of it. I was like, okay, great. Uh, I got home a little bit later that night. Brandon had already been there and uh, we went about our evening. And the next morning I opened up the, um, the blinds and the dead bird was still there. And I don't blame Julie at all. Of course, I do not expect her. I text her, I said, don't take care of this. You do not have to do this. And I guess what happened, I asked her, I'm like, what happened? Why is the bird still there? I guess um, Julie was like, I'm gonna take you up on that. I'm not gonna take care of this, rightfully so. And then uh, we forgot about it. And then this next day, it was pouring rain. So it was raining all day. We're like, we're not going out to take care of this bird. And I was like, I am certainly not going out to take care of this bird. So fast forward to the next day. This bird is now like gross, okay? This is like a three day old bird. You don't wanna know what a three day old bird like sinking into your deck looks like. So Brandon is out on a walk with the kids and I'm starting dinner and I've got to start this barbecue. And I was like, you know what, Emma? You can do hard things. You can do difficult things. So I got a shovel, I got a bag, I like, turned away and I took care of this thing. I got in the bag, got it to the side of the house. I was like, Brandon, you can take care of it from there. I got rid of the dead bird. And I was very proud of myself. Went back in the house, continued making dinner. The kids went outside to play now that they could get past on the deck. And we had this great time. All of a sudden, probably 20 minutes later, Kenzie comes running into the house. Mom, a raccoon, a raccoon is in our pool. Now listen, we do not have a beautiful landscape backyard with a lovely pool. We have a small, blue kitty pool that is made out of plastic that it was under our deck and it was flipped the wrong way. So it was flipped so that water could accumulate in it. And I was like, oh no, I am not taking on this one. I was like, Brandon, there is an animal in the pool outside and I'm doubting it's a raccoon, but there is something there. He goes out, there's a dead squirrel in our little kitty pool. And Kenzie was fascinated. She was so excited about this. I was like, don't show me this. This is disgusting. This is terrible. And I don't know what is going on that we are attracting all of these animals coming into our yard to die. I, I don't know if we have a problem or something is happening or what is going on in our backyard. But I was thinking about this story when it comes to the work of the soul. 
You know, sometimes I think that we go, okay, yeah, I'm seeing something that's come into my soul, into this space that is eternal, this inner being of me, and it's occupying this space and it shouldn't be there. And I need to let it die and I need to take care of it. And, and we do that and then we just kind of wipe our hands. And we're like, okay, that feels good. That feels better. I took care of that. I got rid of that. Or, or I'm just going to um, overlook and ignore that. I'm just going to move past it. And, all of a sudden we turn around and then there's something else and then there's something else and then there's something else. You see, church, there is a war being waged against your soul. And no matter how much cleaning up you do, no matter how much books you read, no matter how much you try to avoid what's going on, no matter how much you do these things, the war is going to continue to wage against you. There is going to be more things that come into your life that try to take you down, that try to eat at your brokenness, that try to reveal your sinfulness in a negative sense. And the, even though you might be able to be successful in some extent on your own getting rid of these things, there's only going to be more because this is a war that the enemy is waging against you. And church, we need to recognize that we cannot become home blind to our soul because it's going to affect every area of our lives. We can't fool ourselves into thinking we can just figure this out or we can just avoid this because there's going to be a dead squirrel in the pool, so to speak. You see, Peter talks about this. As Christians, we are foreigners and exiles in this world, a world that has brokenness and sin around every corner. And we are in a battle against these sinful desires to lie, to cheat, to ignore God's commands, to gossip, to have lust in our lives, to be prideful. This is just a few of those things that can enter in. And these sinful desires wage war against our soul. And the challenge with sinful desires is that they are desires. We actually have something inside of us, the brokenness inside of us, that desires to have these things in our lives. They look good and perhaps even hold these empty promises of happiness and fulfillment. We can have greed, this preoccupation with money. It looks good because we feel like it will satisfy our needs. It will make life easier. It will bring happiness and contentment. There's lust that can enter in. If only I could be with that person or if I could, I just want to imagine this scenario because it's going to make me feel fulfilled, this desire. We can have pride of thinking about ourselves too much and distracting ourselves from the, the world around us and, and thinking that we are the best or we have the best answer. You know, these sinful desires sneak in and they start to erode our soul. And if we're not aware of this war that is being waged, we can become complacent and avoidant in the fight, leading to the potential of losing our soul. See, this is our eternal being. Our soul is eternal. Our flesh may die, but our soul lasts forever. There is a significance when it comes to soul work because it's not something that is temporary. It is something that goes on forever. And God wants relationship with you, wants to, to, to save you. Jesus came to save us so that we could eternally reside in heaven with him. This is not just about the here and now. This is about the tomorrow and the next day and the forever. This work is so significant. This war is so significant. And yet we can so easily be distracted. It has so much significance that Jesus says, what good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? The entire world, all of the power, all of the fortune, all of the fame, all of the, the, uh, the significance, 
to have the new boat, the beautiful cottage, the great house, the wonderful spouse, the kids that are so perfect, all of the designer brands, all of the, the, the job that takes care of all of our needs, just the happiness from day to day. He says, what good is it to gain all of that, but forfeit and lose your soul? See, clearly the world focuses on the temporary, the inconsequential, and it lifts us up. It lifts it up to be eternal, to be significant, when in reality, it is meaningless. It wastes away. And yet this is where our focus so easily gets snatches. It, it, our focus gets so turned to this inconsequential that we actually need to recognize the fight that we need to put on for our soul. We can't grow home blind to this trap of complacency and ignorance. We have to fight. And maybe you do fight. Maybe you feel like I am fighting. I'm trying to be aware of this. I'm trying to grow and aware of this. But there are some defenses that we put on, some ways of fighting that are helpful and others that are unhelpful. And I want to talk about these a little bit today as we go into this, this idea of waging war for our soul because church, we have to be responsible for our soul. We have to recognize that this is my soul. It's my responsibility to recognize how I'm defending it. We need to be uh, uh, doing the soul work so that we can actually do the work that God has for us, that we can be living holy, that we can be living free. You know, one of the defenses that often we can put on is that we become avoidant. When it comes to soul work, we become avoidant. And this is a way of passivity. We wanna be passive. We want to ignore it. We focus on the external more than the internal. We focus on what's happening outside of us more than what's happening inside of us. And we become passive to the dead things and the rotten things and the things that are pulling away at our soul. You know, in Numbers 13, we find the Israelites, God's chosen people. This is a book in the Old Testament after um, the Israelites have, have gone through the exodus out of Egypt. They have found freedom. Moses has led the way. And God says, I have a promised land for you. I have a place for you that is fruitful. I have a land for you that you get to take over. And the Israelites are going through the desert and, and Moses has seen, okay, this is the land and this is what it looks like. But there is so much unknown there that he sends in 12 spies into the land. There are other people groups that are occupying this space. So these 12 spies go in and they follow the instructions and they go into the land and they take a look around and they check out the people that are there and they see what is going on. And after 40 days, they come back and report back to Moses. They report back to the people what is going on. And the vast majority of these spies go, there is too much going on there. There is too much to be done. It is too scary. It is too unpredictable. The people are huge. The people are, yes, there is so much good, but there is so much to be afraid of that there's no way that we can actually go and occupy that space. There's no way that we can go into it. They become avoidant of the risk. They become avoidant of the challenge and the difficulty. Only a couple, like Caleb says, what are you talking about? We can take these guys. We can take these people. God is for us. But they go around and they spread the lies and they, they create the fear amongst the people that they're paralyzed and avoidant to the promise that God has for them. I wonder, church, what lies are you believing that are keeping you out of the fight that are actually causing your soul to erode? Are you believing the lie that it's not worth it to do the hard work internally? That life is pretty good, whether you're seeking God 
or not? Are you avoiding the truth that the world around us is actually broken and sinful? And you've just got these rose colored glasses on that maybe where you are at right now in the desert, in a place where your soul is not uh, being fulfilled in a place of thirstiness, are you just saying, well, maybe that's better than taking the risk of what it would look like to actually allow God to enter in? Are you just growing passive? When I'm talking about this message, are you just thinking, I haven't really even thought about this soul work? Are you so home blind to what's happening within you that you've just started to ignore the potential that God has for you? You see, being passive about the condition of your soul is not going to defend you. It's not, and it's not going to get you to the place of promise that Jesus has for you. It's going to leave you wandering and exposed in the wilderness. We can't just be passive here. We can't just be babies when it comes to taking care of our soul and just saying, well, someone else can do it for me. We have to recognize that this is our responsibility to not become avoidant to the soul work that God wants to do. We are talking about eternal things here. This is so important so that we don't just allow the world around us to define what is significant for us, to define what is important for our soul, to define what's going to feed us, to define what's going to actually um, sustain us. We need to recognize it and grow in our awareness so that we don't fall into that trap. The second thing that we can do and the thing that we can become when we're trying to defend against this war that's being waged against our soul is that we can become controlling. And this is a way of self-defense. You see, we kind of get this idea that we need to just, if we, if we aren't going to be avoidant, well, then we need to be on the other end of the spectrum where we need to be in control. We need to just uh, uh, take care of our own soul. We need to do the hard work ourselves. We need to take it all on as our responsibility and our, our uh, weight to carry it and do the work ourselves. We need to get rid of the dead bird. Then we need to do the work of getting rid of the squirrel. And then we need to make sure that we're doing all of this here and there and uh, to protect ourselves and to take care of it. And we put this pressure on ourselves of this self-defense mentality. I remember in high school, in one of our gym classes, and gym classes in high school aren't co-ed. Um, I don't really know why that is, but it. Uh, that is the way it is, uh, at least around here, and at least while I was in high school. So um, we were in gym class, and I remember our gym teacher brought in this self-defense instructor, and this woman was feisty. She was uh, intense. She knew what she was doing, and we partnered up with other people, and we were to learn these self-defense moves, and um, they were like, kind of like put your arm around, like headlock a person, uh, you know, touch a certain point in someone's shoulder and they're gonna go down, like butt up with the heel of your hand, um, you know, kick to the groin, like all of these self-defense moves. And I don't know if it was the thought that, hey, these girls are going off uh, into the great unknown soon and maybe they're gonna need to defend themselves in certain situations or what this looks like. But we did this self-defense class. And let me tell you, I felt like, um, like, what a, a warrior, okay? I felt like I could be in some sort of um, Marvel movie or something like that coming out of that class. I'm like, I know what I'm doing here. I can take down anyone that comes in my way. I know these moves like the back of my hand. I spent a whole 45 minutes learning this self-defense and I know what I'm doing. And I think that I realized over time that I was extremely naive to think that I could actually defend myself. Absolutely, if someone were to attack me, I could scream, I could yell, I could kick, I could bite, I could do all of these things, but that would probably look like spastic moves. I've recognized that I, if someone were to attack me, 
I couldn't defend myself. With my size, with my stature, even though I learned a couple of these moves, it would not be my second nature just to do these things. And, and so I actually have to be aware of my surroundings. I have to be aware of what I'm doing late at night or if I'm in an in a environment that might be more dangerous or what those things look like. Because I really could not overtake some large man trying to, def trying to come against me. I really couldn't. And I had to get real with myself about that. And I think that this is actually probably an important metaphor for how we are with our souls. Sometimes I think, church, that we get a little bit naive to the fact that there is a war being waged and the significance of that war and the depth of that war and that fight of that war for your soul. And I think sometimes we think that we can actually just defend ourselves, that we can take this on ourselves, that we've, you know, we've, we've done what we need to do. We've gone to church. We've uh, read our Bible. We kind of know a few things that we can defend ourselves against this. We have a community around us and we can, we can do the things that we need to do to defend ourselves. When in reality, this war is way beyond our own self-defense. I want to make this clear because putting that pressure on yourself and then feeling like you're constantly failing every time you give in to that sinful desire, every time you are in a place where you are, you are struggling, we can, we can all of a sudden be in a battle with ourselves and feeling like, are we good enough? But can we do this? Is it, this is hard work and we get tired and frustrated from this. See, we can't treat our soul with this, I've got this mentality. I'm aware, I read the news, I know politics, I'm up on the discussion, so I can protect my own soul. I can win the war that is raging against the depth of who I am. Let's not be naive. And now listen, church, don't think that I'm setting up this dichotomy that we have zero responsibility and that there's nothing that we can do. And we certainly have choices surrounding our soul and we have choices surrounding how we wage war and we have choices surrounding these things. But to think that we can just do it all ourselves and figure it out is not going to work. This is like trying to be our own doctor. You wouldn't break your leg and try to set it yourself. You wouldn't have a stroke and then try to prescribe the next steps. We are not our own physician. We can't do that for ourselves. We go and seek the help that we need. And that is what I want to encourage today is that when we recognize, when we grow in our awareness, when we're no longer home blind to the state of our soul, to the, 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 the war against our soul, we can no longer be passive and we can no longer live in the naivety that we can defend ourselves. We have to take it a step further. And we have to become surrendered. What are you talking about, Emma? What the heck? When you are waging war, you don't surrender. What do you mean? That's called losing. That is called losing the war. That is laying down. That is saying that I can't do this anymore. No, it is who you are surrendered to. And as a church, we need to recognize that we need to be surrendered to the King of Kings, that we need to be surrendered to the one who can actually do something. You see, this surrender is a way of the cross. It's a way of picking up the cross. Jesus says, whoever tries to gain their life will lose it. And whoever loses it for him will gain it. This is the upside down kingdom. This is the upside down gospel that we see in scripture. 
We might think that, okay, I, I, if I just work to gain my own life, if I just work to figure this out, then I'm going to have everything I need. And Jesus is saying, no, when you surrender is when you start to win the battle. When you surrender your needs and your desires and where you're at, that's when you actually see traction gained. That's when you actually see the battle won because we were never meant to do this on our own. Jesus presents a choice here. If you want to be my disciple, you need to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow him. This is the process of surrender, denying yourself. I can't do this on my own. I can't figure this out on my own. Laying down of pride, picking up what Jesus has. This is the choice. This is the behavior. This is what we do have control over. Are we going to make that choice to pick up that cross? And picking up that cross is a representation of what Jesus did on his way to dying on that cross. He picked up that cross saying, Jesus, saying God, my father, not my will, but yours be done. That is what we need to say on a daily basis. Not my will, but yours be done. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I think. It's not about my desires if they do not lead to Jesus. See, Jesus is, is a good king. God is a good father. He grants us the desires of our hearts. He sees our needs. He meets us where we are at, but we need to make sure that those are oriented towards Christ because in our own power, in our own ability, we are not going to be able to get there. We are not going to win this war by being avoided or by being controlling. We have to be surrendered. The relationship with God, the eternal life in God's presence was once out of reach for us until Jesus came. No amount of passivity, no amount of control, no amount of striving or doing or being or having is going to get you to heaven. It's not. Jesus came and died for our sins, died on a cross and rose again so that he could mend this broken relationship that came when we chose something other than God that came when sin entered this world so that we could be saved through him. Jesus came to save your soul. He came to save my soul and we can't do it on our own. And this is good news because we are messed up and we are screwed up and we have brokenness and we have sin and we mess up all the time. I know that I do, but Jesus says, through my grace, I see you as clean. If you would just turn and come to me, if you would just surrender yourself to me, listen, I will protect you. I will save you. I will wipe those things away. We don't deserve it. We can't earn that grace. It is a free gift of salvation that he gives to us. And this is the posture. This is the defense. This is the strategy we need to have is one of surrender that all comes back to Jesus. You see, there is a war being waged for your soul. I want you to understand this church. I want you to see this clearly. And you can become avoidant. You can become controlling or you can become surrendered. And being surrendered is where we see victory. And yet for many of us, we become so home blind to this miracle of grace that we forget the value of our souls and the significance of the price that was paid so that we might be saved. You know, there's a saying that you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And it's this idea that we can be irrelevant to the culture around us and the people around us if we're so focused on heaven, if we're so focused on these things. But unfortunately, I think that Christians today are actually not at risk of this. 
We become so earthly minded that we forget where our citizenship comes from. Philippians 1.27, it says, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. You see, we reside on earth, but we are citizens of heaven. And sometimes it seems that we are taking our citizenship up in earth. We're so focused on the things of this world and, and the fear that if we don't do enough, then perhaps we won't be happy. And we create this happiness as our idol and our souls are crying out, this isn't working. I think this is the cry of humanity today, church. This isn't working. The desire to be known, to be seen, loved, happy, affirmed, validated, gifted, and have a purpose is being met with the message of buy more, do more, see more, have more, talk more, uh, be more aware, create more, post more, eat more, be more. And when that doesn't satisfy, the message is loud and clear that you are not enough. And guess what? We aren't. In and of ourselves, we will constantly fall short. No matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, we will not be satisfied on the soul level. Physically, yeah, we might be satisfied. Emotionally, sure. Mentally, perhaps. But on this soul level, no. We can live the lie that deep down we're okay, but I think that this pandemic is showing us and showing society that we are not okay. That we can't figure this all out on our own. I wonder if there is so much cloud in your soul, so many lies, so much avoidance. I wonder if there's a lot of putting pressure on yourself and Jesus is saying, come to me. Pick up your cross, surrender to the will of God. Matthew 11:28. 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. And this is a deep soul rest. This is not an eight hours of sleep uninterrupted by your child waking up at two in the morning. This is soul rest. This is the only way we get to have rest in the war that is happening all around us. This is the only way that we see victory. As I close, I wanna read Psalm 23 to you. And wherever you're at, maybe just take a deep breath and listen to the words that David writes. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, whatever your valley looks like today, church, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He refreshes my soul. I wonder, church, can you see that it's not something you can do? It's not something you can avoid. We all have to some point make a choice and then choose that daily. Are we going to believe the lie that we can take care of our soul on our own? Are we going to stick our head in the sand and pretend that there isn't a war happening? Or are we going to turn to Jesus over and over and over again? We need a soul detox. We need a cleanse. We need God to be able to come in and refresh us from all of the crap that the world is throwing at us, from all of the things and the lies that we are told to believe and screamed at daily. We need to get away with God and find that rest. And I encourage you today to make time in your week to do that, just to get away, to remember that he is good, to surrender, to visualize that, to proclaim who God is in your life and to receive the comfort that he can bring for your soul. Let's not be avoided.
Let's not be controlling. Let's be surrendered, church. Listen, maybe you're tuning in today and you're listening and you're going, I didn't know that message of grace. I've never heard that before. I didn't realize the significance of this. I didn't realize that Jesus actually wants relationship with me. Well, listen, that gift is free. It is available. And all it takes is you to make that choice that you're going to say, I'm going to turn to you, God. I'm going to ask you to forgive my sins. And I'm going to see that I am now in relationship with you. This is a soul choice. This is an eternal choice. This is a, a way of, of saying, God, you are in control of my life. And this is a choice to spend eternity with him. If that's you today, wherever you are at, with every eye closed and head bowed, this is a personal decision. And if you've made that decision before, if you're a Christian watching this, why don't you start praying for people who are contemplating this, who are making this choice now? If that's you, why don't you just say, yes, Lord, I'm making that choice wherever you're at. And you can click in the chat just to, uh, to symbolize an outward action of doing this, why don't you just click that button that says, I'm making that choice today, I'm gonna to raise my hand, I'm gonna follow Jesus today as a symbol of that choice, and I wanna pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for every decision being made today, God. Wherever this individual is at, wherever these people are at, Lord, we thank you that you came and died, Jesus, and rose again for our sins, that we no longer have to walk in that, that we no longer have to walk in uncertainty, but we can actually walk in the promise that you are good that we are now accepted by you. We are in the family of God. I thank you, Jesus, for the celebration going on in heaven today, for these souls that are returning to you, God. Pray this in your name, amen. Amen, what an incredible decision you just made. More information is coming at you, but I am so happy for you. Listen, if you're watching this and you're going, I need to recognize the war that's being waged in my soul. I need to surrender to God today. Listen, you don't have to go through a 10-step process. You don't have to try to figure this out on your own. Again, this is a choice that you're making. And so today, if that's you and you're saying, I need to surrender that right where you're at, why don't you just raise your hands up? It doesn't matter who's in the room. Eyes are closed still. Raise your hand up as a symbol, as an act of surrender. And I wanna pray for you. Jesus, we so often, become avoidant to these challenges, these deep-rooted, eternal things, our souls, God. We become home blind to it. And today, Lord, we choose to release it to you, to surrender, to choose the way of the cross, God, to recognize that we can't win this war on our own, that we can fight and fight and fight. And of course, we can use the resources that you have given us. But until we surrender to you, until we recognize, Jesus, that you are in control, that you are good, that you love us and you care for our souls, we are not going to see the victory that we need. Need. So today, God, we look to you and we say only you, Jesus, can bring us this victory. We pray that you would just be cleansing souls right now, God, that you would be setting up defense against these souls, Lord, that you would be helping us to walk in wisdom and to not be naive to the world around us, Lord, but that we would just have a refreshing rest in you today, God. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Thanks, church. Have an awesome day. Well, hey, thank you, Pastor Emma, for that incredible word. What a word that was. What a word in season. I know that impacted me, and I really believe it impacted so many others. So we just want to say thank you so much for the leadership, for the wisdom, uh, for the, the word that you brought today. It, it, it is so incredible. So thank you so much for that. If you were one of the people who just a moment ago clicked that button, making that decision, to follow Jesus, that is the best decision that you could make. And we're so thrilled for you as a church. But although that's a decision really made in private, it's meant to be lived out in public. 
And we wanna do whatever we can do as a church to help resource you, answer your questions, whatever we can do for you, we wanna help you out. And so we just wanna encourage you to fill out a Connect card. Again, it's popping up in the chat in this moment. Go ahead and click on that and just fill that in. And we would love to get in touch with you, get to know you, connect with you. Um, and whatever we can do, we wanna help you out on this journey of faith that you are on. So go ahead, click that button, fill out that card. We'd love to get in touch with you. Also, maybe if you're tuning in and maybe you've been attending our church for a long time, maybe uh, you know, you've been attending online and maybe you've been attending in person before it was online, whatever it might be, whether this is your first week or your 101st week, if you haven't made that, uh, that, that next step to get involved, if you haven't taken that step to uh, join a connect group, if you haven't taken that step to really use the gifts that God has placed on your life to really serve and build his church, uh, listen, we just wanna encourage you that God has so much in store for you. And after this service, we are hosting something called Next Steps. And so again, a link is, is going up for Next Steps. We would love for you to join us for Next Steps. It's a Zoom session. It's gonna be some people there. It might sound awkward right now. It's not awkward at all. But we would love to help you take your next step here at Slate Church, where you can actually step into all that God has for you. You might not think there's anything on your life. You might have already counted yourself out. You shouldn't count yourself out when God is counting you in. God has something for you, and we would uh, just love to be able to help you realize what that is and show you how and where you can really use your God-given gifts to build His kingdom through Slate Church. So make sure that you join us for next steps today. Also, parents, uh, we're, we're almost done, but not yet for kids because we've got Slate Kids happening right after this. And, uh, you know, we just want to encourage you. There's no better place to have your kids than in church. And our Slate Kids team, they put so much effort in and they're so great at creating a church experience that your kids are going to love. So stay tuned for Slate Kids right after this message. For everybody else, we love you. We're so thankful for you and we're excited. We believe that our greatest season is just ahead and we can't wait for all that God has in store. Take care. Kenzie, how's it going? Good, 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 good,